Selling Studios, powered by RumbleOn.com. Now, it's time to go deep for the exclusive info you need on the hockey team you love. This is Preds Insiders with your host, Ryan Porth. Brought to you by Cool Springs Laser Dentistry, Wyatt Johnson Ford, Gary Zire, Remax Elite, and Geno's East. On your flagship home of the Predators Radio Network, Smashville's best sports talk, ESPN 1025 The Game. Welcome into another edition of Preds Insiders on this Monday evening. ESPN 1025 The Game streaming on the Game Nashville app. I'm your host, Ryan Porth. Joined in studio this evening by Chase McCabe. You can hear him on Darren, Donick, and Chase weekdays 10 to 2 on ESPN 1025 The Game as well as the Nashville Predators Radio Network. Chase, how are we doing on this Monday evening? Feeling pretty good. Good yeah. to talk about uh, you know the Nashville Predators and everything that they're doing. I know we did have a loss the other night to talk about. You and I have to talk about that. But uh, overall, feeling pretty good about this team right now so excited to be here at least this professional sports team in nashville knows how to score and have a a fun offense as opposed to the other one that we've spent a lot of time talking about today yeah see when i did my introduction i was gonna take a shot and then i decided not to but you took it for me so there we go well there we go (laughs) so the nashville predators saturday afternoon slash evening falling to the la kings seven four and I thought the the first two periods of that game, the Nashville Predators looked out of sync. Yep. The LA Kings looked like a team on a mission. They didn't look like the the bottom feeders that a lot of people expect them to be this season. It was their home opener. Right. So you have that juice inside them, that adrenaline of the, the, uh, the first home game of the regular season. But, you know, trailing 4-1 going into the third period, I didn't really expect the Preds to to come back like they did, and they came back with an absolute vengeance. Yeah, yeah, they did. They and you know, Mikhail Granlin got the scoring started. Beautiful goal, period. by the way. Yeah, and and you thought I was you know listening to the great Pete Weber right here on one hundred two five the game, and I heard him say like he snuck one, you know, past the goaltender and put the Preds on the board, and you're thinking, okay, feeling pretty good. Pinpoint accuracy on that shot. And then at the end of the first period, it's two one L A. Second period wasn't much better uh, as the LA Kings extended their lead. And so you're going, oh, what is going on? And we've seen this before out of the Nashville Predators that they have a slow start and it creeps over into the second and then they turn it on in the later part of the game. The problem hasn't been the starts. The the Preds have had some pretty good starts to at the beginning of this season. I mean, they, they yes could get better. No. The Detroit game was a slow start. Slow start there, but overall, it's been better than you know I've seen before. The third period has been awesome. I mean, the third period, hands down, they've scored more goals. They have scored more goals in the third period than any other team in the National Hockey League right. to this point. I thought the second period was their worst period of the season thus far. Agreed, completely agreed. And they got behind. And you hear Peter Laviolette use the phrase "chasing the game," you know, when they're in these situations, and they were chasing the game. And they, they chased it so hard that they came back and they tied it. And you're thinking, all right, here we go. Third period going again. And then we know uh, you know the empty netter and we know everything that happened after that, 7-4 being the final. So the things that stood out to me, number one, this team continues to score. They, they have the offense. That part you feel really, 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 really good about. Mm-hmm. Number two, UC Saros. I'm not going to say I'm super concerned yet, but his first two starts of the year – haven't been great. There, for, there has to be improvement. For him, I thought UC Saros, he was better Saturday than he was the previous Saturday against yep. Detroit. I'd agree. 
I thought he got less help Saturday, especially in those first two periods um, against the LA Kings. You and led then, me right to my next point. Okay, go ahead. You led me right to my next point because that's something that I have seen in teams past that you see a little bit more help for Pecorine and then you don't see as much for whoever the backup is. And, it, and UC has obviously been the backup for this team over the last few years. And I thought for a while we saw where, okay, they're playing for UC Saros just like they do for Pecorine. Haven't seen that as much in the two starts. Very small sample size. Again, not pushing any alarm buttons yet. But I do want to see the rest of the team pick it up when when 74 is in there. And then the other thing that really stood out to me is this team has definitely added on offense, but they've given up something on defense. And mm-hmm. I'm not saying that's just P.K. Subban, but they, they have definitely lost a step on defense in, in defending their zone and whoever is in net, whether it's Pecorine or UC Saros. The third pairing concerns me right now. I know that's something that they're going to work at. Willie Donick said on our show earlier today that you know Matt Irwin, Yannick Weber, Dan Hamus, those are veteran guys from in the league. They've been around for a long time. They're not going to give up on it. They're going to try and make it work, but I am a little worried about that. The, those three are not getting the job done. Point blank, Dan Hamus yep. looks maybe a step slower than he did last season. Yannick Weber does not look the same, and Matt Irwin is Matt Irwin. Yeah. And that is going to be a problem moving forward, and I think that is the domino effect of trading P.K. Subban and not going out and getting but getting anybody else. I don't know if they expected Steven Santini after mm-hmm. that trade, who came over from New Jersey and that trade of P.K. Subban, I don't know if they expected him to step right in and fill a role on that third pair and improve that third pair. I, I thought that was a little bit of a missed opportunity back in the offseason to not bulk up the third pair when you when you already have a rookie Don, like Dante Fabro stepping into the mm-hmm. top four. Right now... They can ill afford to have any sort of fall off in the top four or any sort of injury in the top four defensively because the options after those four are pretty grim right now. Well, it is interesting that Santini is currently with the Milwaukee Admirals when they have a they have an extra roster spot right now. So I mean that he he is available to them, and there are others. Uh, Tonor, Tonorti is somebody they really liked in training camp, big bodied guy, and you know he can muck it up if he needs to. So there, there are options in Milwaukee. Uh, I, I think they could go that route eventually. I, I'm of the belief you give it the road trip, you know, get back to Nashville, see what it looks like then, and then maybe you evaluate if you're David Poyle and Peter Lavula. I think you reevaluate it after maybe the 10-game mark. Sure. Because that's, that's when you start to really know, okay, this is what I got. This is what I need to work on. You don't start coming to conclusions, but you have some pretty good ideas of what sure. you have or don't have on your roster at that point. The one thing that I thought was was still really good Saturday, the fact that they gave up seven goals, two empty netters, so it wasn't a mm-hmm. complete seven-burger. I mean, they, two empty net goals in the last 36 seconds. I mean, it is what it is. They yeah. essentially lost five to four. And the the thing that I think this team can take forward from Saturday's game is the fact that they came back again. And... Yeah. Already this season, this team has a belief within that they are going to come back and win games in which they are trailing. We saw that last Thursday at home against the Washington Capitals, trailing 4-2 after two periods. They come back and win that game 6-5. And you have a three-goal deficit on Saturday, 
where you look completely out of sorts through 40 minutes of play. Then the Victor Arvidsson goal kind of gets them back in that game. Matt Duchesne scores on the power play. The next shift, Colton Sissons ties it up with a deflected goal. All of a sudden, 4-4, and they had some chances to to go up 5-4 after that. I think the fact that through five games, you can already kind of see that comeback nature in them, kind of like what we saw out of them in the President's Trophy regular season where every game in the third period, whether they were trailing or not, whether they came back or not, you believed that this Predators team was going to come back and at least make it interesting, maybe steal a point. They didn't steal a point on this day, but the fact that they have that belief within them five games in, I think is a really good positive moving forward. And I think that's something that may not have been there last season. There weren't a lot of games where they came back yeah. and won. There were a lot of games that got away from them in the last half, in the in the last 30 minutes. So I think that is a an interesting positive moving forward with this Preds team. I know this is going to sound crazy because this is basically the same team from last year, personnel-wise, outside of Subban is now gone and Duchesne is in. But I, I, I believe that not only do they have the belief, but they have the talent. This is a much more talented team the way it's currently constructed. And and I'm not saying Matt Duchesne all of a sudden adds something like that, but it, it, it something's clicked, and I'm, I'm with you, that so far they haven't really been out of any game. They've, just, they've always been there. Whether you know they, it slips away from them at the end or they're chasing it, they have been in every game that they've played so far in a very young season. So if that continues, then you have to feel pretty good about where this team is going to go because the great teams, uh, not to steal a mantra from another organization we won't mention, but to get to be a great team to win championships, you do have to, you have to do that. You have mm-hmm. to, even in losses, you have to show that you were competitive and that you were in the game till the very end. And so far, this team has done that. And I, and I love the leadership. I love the makeup. And I think that that attributes to a lot of it. Well, think of a lot of the losses – that this team had last season where you came away just shaking your yeah. head, pulling your hair out, whether it was a home five, nothing loss to Colorado believe the week before that last season, they lost five, nothing in Vegas where they yeah. looked awful. Right. I don't know if you can really say that about either of the losses that they have endured here early on this season, the Detroit game. Yeah. The first period stunk. They came back in that game. They weren't able to get a point out of it but they did come back in that game and then Saturday I thought the second period was pretty bad mm-hmm. but they responded yep there wasn't much response last year outside of maybe the last week of the regular season where they had to win those last two games to to win the central division and they answered the bell in the third period of those games outside of those few moments last season we've already seen a lot more of that bite when they're down than we right. saw all of last season. So I I think that's something this team can draw upon moving forward. Let's say tomorrow night in Vegas, they're down 2 nothing after 1. There is a belief within that room that they are going to come back and make it a game again. I don't think they had that last year. Yeah, and I, and I know we're going to talk about this a little bit more later on in the show. I think a lot of that has to do with the ownership that the players are taking and that – Peter Laviolette, you know, you always use the phrase, well, I wonder what he said to him in the intermission, you know, and I've tweeted that out. Like, did he peel paint? You know, what was the message? I I think you have to have some of that. But I think a lot of it is just the players are coaching themselves. I mean, they, they're, they're policing themselves. They are taking ownership when they don't play well. They get in the room before 
Laviolette even walks in and they go, guys, what are we doing? We got to get our heads out of our you know what's and we got to play better. Mm-hmm. And and I I think there's more of that this year than there has been in years past because this group, this core that we all talk about has grown so much and you've added Duchesne to it. Cuz let's let's be honest. Matt Duchesne instantly was a part of this core group with the long-term deal and just his build, his makeup. And I think he's come in with that voice and is a leader, instant leader. The guys gravitate towards him and that has been a big change. So I think that's one thing that you're seeing, and I take nothing away from Peter Laviolette, but I think it's a good thing that the players are doing that. So the Preds lose 7-4 on the road against the LA Kings, their first road test of the season. A big test tomorrow night at at Vegas. One of the better teams in the National Hockey League should be an interesting game at T-Mobile Arena. Pre-game at 8, puck drop at 9. All the action heard right here on ESPN 102.5 The Game. Saturday was game number five for the Preds in the regular season. Can we go ahead and declare something after five games? We'll get to that next. He's Chase McCabe. I'm Ryan Porth. You are listening to Preds Insiders, ESPN 1025, the game streaming on the Game National app. Welcome back into the show. Preds Insiders brought to you every Monday and Wednesday throughout the hockey season by Cool Springs Laser Dentistry. For all your dental needs, visit Kelly E. Rice. Com. Nashville's number one Ford dealer, Wyatt Johnson Ford, Carrie Zire, Remax Elite, and Geno's East on the corner of 3rd Avenue and Korean Veterans Boulevard. Ryan Porth. Got a lot of sponsors along, on this well, show, man. You know, hey. That's why you're the insider. Exactly. Your word's not mine. Ryan Porth <laughs> alongside Chase McCabe of Darren Donick and Chase right here at ESPN 1025 The Game and streaming on the Game Nashville app. So through five games, I want to declare something, Chase. Okay. The Preds have a top line. You think? They they have a top line. I know some people will say, oh, well, it's 1A, 1B. I'm going to sit here and declare Philip Forsberg, Matthew Shane, Mikhail Granlund, that is the Nashville Predators' number one line. It's no slight to Ryan Johansson, no slight to Victor Arvidsson, or whomever is going to be on the wing moving forward with that twosome this season. The Predators' top offensive line is Forsberg, Duchesne, and Granlund. They have a combined 20 points through mm-hmm. five games. Philip Forsberg, all seven of his points have come at even strength. When that line is on the ice, you feel like something's about to happen. And I I had a good feeling about that line going into the regular season with the success that they had in the preseason. And it looks like they have played together for five years, not five games. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, as you mentioned, 20 points between them. Uh, just in comparison, Ryan Johansson and Victor Arvidsson together – have 12 points, which is nothing to, you know, nothing to really shake your head at. They're still trying to find who that other winger is going to be. So I like the top two lines for the Preds, but yeah, you're right. And, and Matt Duchesne, Philip Forsberg, I talked to Matt Duchesne last week and really the first time I've had to, you know, sit with him one-on-one and I, and I just said, listen, man, I, I've been around this sport for a long time. I see chemistry and sometimes it takes a few games it looks like you and Philip Forsberg have been playing together for five years, as you just said, Ryan. And and he goes, I can't explain it. Sometimes you have a you know reason that you can give. I don't. It's just worked. And Mikhail Granlin is looking like a completely different player. He's looking like the Mikhail Granlin that David Poyle had thought he acquired when he came from Minnesota, which I think a lot of people are saying, okay, it was just a tough time to go through that transition with everything going on with them. But it, it he's looks good, too. It helps that he's playing with Forsberg and Duchesne. It does. Let, let's... I mean, let's be honest about that. He's not playing with Craig Smith and a Kyle Turris who yeah. couldn't hit the broadside of a barn 
right last year. I mean, he is he he's playing with two dynamite players right he, now, and he's reaping the benefits. But I think Forsberg and Duchesne are also reaping the benefits of playing with someone like Granlund, who's a crafty veteran mm-hmm. who knows how to make plays in the offensive zone. Granlund, the shot that he he scored on to open the game Saturday yeah. was really impressive. I mean, if you remember Ryan Johansson's first goal as a as a Nashville Predator in Colorado, where he basically wasn't looking and then sniped it top shelf right. without any room at all, it was very reminiscent of of that shot by Ryan Johansson. I, I think that line is going to do wonders yeah. this season. And I think finding, you know, you found the right fit – because we know that Philip Forsberg, Matt Duchesne, those are those are the two that you look at and go, oh man, they're working so well together. But as you just said, Granlin has been the perfect complement to those two. Now, I think what Peter Laviolette and his coaching staff are trying to do is they're trying to find that guy, that third guy for the Johansson line. Correct. I'm not even going to call it the second line. They're trying to find that third guy for the Johansson line. And then you truly have two top forward lines. I, I And I think I think that guy's on this team. It's just finding the chemistry. You were asking a lot from Craig Smith of moving him to his off wing, a position he's never played before, and expecting it to click just like that. Mm-hmm. You know, Callie Arncroke, I understand trying to see what that looks like. You may have to try a few different things. I, I do think they'll find it eventually, but you don't want to rob Peter to pay Paul, and that's what that's what Peter Laviolette is trying to do, you know, or trying not to do, I should say, because I that was the hesitant, you know. That's why he was so hesitant to break up Jofa last year, mm-hmm. because you knew it worked. And now you got to figure out how can you form two. Well, it, it, it's interesting that you took it there because Callie Yarncroke is a player that last Wednesday, the last time we had Preds Insiders, I've point blank, flat out said that Callie Yarncroke, at some point here coming up, if he doesn't get his act together offensively, that he should be benched for a game or two just to try to get him going. Right, He's a player that has only scored four goals in his last 73 games if you include the playoffs last year. Now, since I said that, he was moved to the top line, or I just contradict myself, not the top line, to the Ryan Johansson line. I understand what you mean. Yes. Moved up to the Ryan Johansson line. He got a promotion after I said he should get a demotion, so it shows you what I know. Um, And he has three assists in the last two games. And I think the entire reason why I said what I said last Wednesday was to get Yarncroke going. Like, you have to get more out of him. But the problem is, he he still doesn't pack a lot of punch offensively next to Ryan Johansson and Victor Arvidsson. And but he doesn't necessarily have to, does he? Because think think about the Duchesne line. You have Forsberg and Duchesne that they're going to pack the, the offensive punch. Granolin is the complementary piece that can also score. Mm-hmm. That's what you're looking for. Well... It, completely valid I said last Wednesday that Callie Yarncroke isn't in this lineup to score goals he's not in this lineup to provide offense mm-hmm. that's not his forte right but he can't be a complete zero offensively which is what he was for the vast majority of last regular season into the playoffs and the last couple games three assists in two games I would expect Callie Yarncroke to stick at least momentarily alongside Johansson and Arvidsson. But you brought up Craig Smith. If I'm Peter Laviolette, I would have given that a little bit more time to bake. And I was hoping they would. Uh, I wanted I wanted to see it work because I think when you ask someone like Craig Smith, hey, 
can you go play a position that you, you're not comfortable with, that you haven't played? And they would have been doing the same exact thing with Kyle Turris if they had mm-hmm. asked him to be the left wing in, in the regular season. And I like the decision that they made because putting Kyle Turris at his natural position of center has worked. Do I still think there's more with Kyle Turris? Absolutely. But I've liked up until this point how he's played. So I've been I've been okay with his game. It's finding the pieces to put around him. And I think Craig Smith fits with him because there's some you know, they're comfortable with each other. They played together before. But I, I'm with you. I was hoping that it could simmer. That was the word I used that, you know, let it simmer for a little bit, see what happens. Peter Laviolette has shown in his career that he's not scared to mix and match and move things around. And maybe he doesn't always feel like he has the time to let it simmer. So. Is it is it a matter of not being afraid to change lines or is it a matter of being impatient? It's a good question. I I don't know. I, I'm not I can't give you a, a, a great answer on that because you could say, yeah, he's probably being a little impatient because he knows that it needs to work. He knows he needs yeah. two top lines. Probably so, a little bit of both. So I, I think a little bit of both. And now they you know, they're gonna try Callie Yarncroak and see what works there? I mean, you know, who knows? We could be dubbing them the Joe Yarnvinson line or something like that. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that nickname is going to stick. Joe Yarnvinson. Yeah, that's kind of hard to do. Yeah. the. I mean, if anything, it'd be Joja. <laughs> Joja. Yeah, Josa. I tried that with Smith. It didn't yeah, work. that yeah. none of that. Maybe we should just stop working. having nicknames for lines. Hey, how about that? That works. That would be great. Although but Jofa did, it did stick. did roll off the tongue. Yeah. Um. Last last thing on the whole bit of Duchesne, Forsberg, and Granlin being this team's top line, they are averaging at least Duchesne and Forsberg about ninety seconds more of time on ice per game than Johansson and Arvidsson. And that seems about right. Uh, I know that Peter Laviolette told us on Darren Donick and Chase at training camp that they were still at that point in training camp they were looking for a guy that can give them 18 minutes a night and and so far they found that line that is you know doing that and again take nothing away from the Johansson line I think still trying to find that that other but that you have to put your best players out there and you know how this game works over 82 82 games in a long season we in three weeks we could be talking about the Johansson line being the top and how they're playing because it's a streaky sport that's just right now you're still in the honeymoon phase with Matt Duchesne. Everybody's feeling good. He's got nine points in five games as a predator. Like you're ready to dub him the MVP. He'll probably fall off a little bit. And then somebody else, that's why this team's built the way it is. Somebody else will step up. That's how this works. So it's very, very early yet. Coming up next. What do we like? What don't we like about this Preds team through five games? We will get to that next. He's Chase McCabe. I'm Ryan Porth. You are listening to Preds Insiders on ESPN 1025 The Game, streaming on the Game National app. Welcome back into the show on this Monday evening. Preds Insiders, Ryan Porth, Chase McCabe here with you as the Preds fall Saturday afternoon slash evening by a score of 7-4 on the road against the LA Kings. They are back at it tomorrow night against the Vegas Golden Knights. Should be a fun one. Pre-game at 8, puck drop at 9. All the action heard right here on ESPN 102.5 The Game Chase. Before we get to the one thing that we do like and the one thing that we don't like through five games, this is the first Preds Insider since last Thursday night's game against the Washington Capitals. Yeah. That had to be one of the best regular <laughs> season games that we've ever seen at Bridgestone Arena. That was fun. 
That was a lot of fun. And uh, even Peter Laviolette, when I loved Adam Vingan's question of, is this one of those games where it gets your heart going? And Peter Laviolette goes, it was awesome. It was a, it was a lot of fun to be a part of. Now, I don't know if I believe him when he says that, because I'm sure there were points of that game where he was wanting to pull his hair out. And, um, you know, Roman Yossi kind of said that too, that it was fun for the players, but he didn't know about the coaches. But it was. It, it was uh, – the crowd was into it. It was loud. It was – dare I say playoff loud it was exhilarating on the ice too yeah and and they just it was like a, a heavyweight boxing match just one punch thrown by one guy and then the other throws another and you had Alex Ovechkin scoring twice on the power play and it was another example of the Predators never being out of it even though on the scoreboard it looked like they were mm-hmm. I sat down with Daniel Carr during the second intermission and I was like before we went on the air I'm like how you doing he goes it's 4-2 we got it we got to keep Keep pounding it. Keep keep battling, and that's the attitude that they have right now. I like that. That's, that's exactly what you want to see. So it was fun. Uh, I had texted you saying this probably has overtime written all over it, and I turned out to be wrong. And I'm glad I was. So it was cool. Yeah, absolutely. So the one thing that we like about this Predators team through five games for you, Chase McCabe, is what Preds fans. I want you to get close to your radio. Okay, I want you to listen very closely to what I am about to say. The power play. I like what I see out of the power play. Is it back? I think it's back. And I don't know if it's just Matt Duchesne, if it's Dan Lambert, if it's they got away from it for a while. Because you you know how sports work, that you can try and you're a golfer. You know, okay. So I'll use this as an example. And sometimes you just you get into a slump where you're playing terrible golf. When you step away for a little bit and you take a few weeks off and then you get back to it, it's like you get a reset. And I think that that helped you know, with the Predators. They brought in a different voice, and I applaud the organization and Peter Laviolette for saying, you know what, I don't think subtracting is what we need to do. We're going to add. Mm-hmm. And they added Dan Lambert. They, br- they brought in a third assistant, which a lot of teams around the league have. So they brought in a third assistant that has a lot of experience with the power play. That has helped. And all the players that I've talked to love him, and they say that he works him hard, he expects a lot. So that's been good. And then, of course, Matt Duchesne, because now you can have everybody in their natural positions. Well, what's interesting about Dan Lambert, I'm glad you brought him up. When they called, I believe they called a timeout after the Kings made it 5-4 Saturday with about 58 seconds left. And Dan Lambert was the one down at the front of the bench drawing up the play off the faceoff. He, he was the one that was doing that. It wasn't Dan Muse. It wasn't Kevin McCarthy. It was Dan Lambert. I found that to be a little interesting. And it, I, that kind of goes back to the press release when they announced Dan Lambert, when they said that he was coming in not just for the power play, yeah. but for some offensive systems. Yeah. So, And the offense looks different. The, the offense looks completely different. And the power play, we're not going into the power play now like we did last year while watching this team saying, oh, God, here we go. Yeah. Like, no. That has not entered our minds yet, and I don't think it will. I mean, they've scored a power play goal in four straight games. Yep. Last year, the longest streak of scoring a power play goal was three straight games. and through so they've five already games, beaten that. They've already beaten that streak with, with, a goal in, in, with a power play goal in four straight games, and they haven't been pretty. Yeah. I mean, the Ryan Johansson, he, he had to, you know, jam it in under Braden Holpe Thursday night. Saturday, Matt Duchesne scores a goal that pinballed off of two or three different skates 
and went behind Jack Campbell, and that made it 4-3 at the time, but they're getting results, and that's what matters. The thing that really I, I was impressed with, and because this is not easy to do for anybody, but for Peter Laviolette to get up there in his press conference at the end of the season and, and take ownership and say everything that happens in this on this team runs through me, and it wasn't good enough. We didn't get the job done. You know, we the playoffs we were knocked out in the first round. I mean, he took ownership for everything, power play, and then he brings in somebody that knows the power play and also knows offense. And he has essentially said, "I am going to, I'm going to pass this over, and I'm going to take your guidance." I, he's the head coach, but he's brought in another assistant to help put his stamp on thing. That is not easy for somebody to do. Yeah. I mean, this Peter Laviolette has won. He's been to three Stanley Cup finals. He's won a Stanley Cup, and he's basically saying, in so many words, "I need some help. I I need to figure this out. I'm what I have is not working. I need some help." So I applaud him for that. That, and you see a difference now with the team, and and I think it goes for anyone in a leadership position. Of sometimes you just need a, a different voice and new ideas. You don't need to take anything away. You just need to add a different voice, and so that's one reason why I think the offense as a whole is playing the way that it is right now and just feels different. But for the power play, you see a confidence. It's back, and and it's been that top unit. I mean, it's been the Duchesne unit, but with Duchesne and Johansson and Arvidsson and Forsberg and Yossi, I mean, it has looked good. And when the other unit is out there, they're getting opportunity too. They're, they're getting some chances, but it's that first unit that you really have to fear if you're an opposing team, and I like it. You want to know another reason why I think the power play is doing what it's doing? Why is that? That new song that is <laughs> introing the power play, a spinoff of Dirk Bentley's 5150. Shout out to Dirks. I, I love that they have officially incorporated Dirks yeah. like, like that. I, well, I remember doing an interview with Dirks Bentley for the fourth period, fourth period magazine, uh, Canadian hockey magazine, probably six, seven years ago. And I asked him, how cool would it be for you to to have your song or have you be the, the goal song like Tim McGraw yeah. is? If there ever comes a day where Tim McGraw is no longer the goal song. Right. How cool would that be? And he's like, I, I'm all for it. I want that to happen. And now he's the power play song. He's not the goal song. Yeah. But the power play song is leading to the goal song right now. Well, and I love that because, you, you know, the, the goal song is a tradition uh, of any hockey team. And the Predators started that very early on with Tim McGraw. And I like it. I love it. And I love that they've stuck with it. And, you know, it, it's they've added the gold on the ceiling as a mm-hmm. part of it from the Black Keys. You know, and you have the Nashville, you know, connections. But now Dirk Spentley having the power play song, who is a, you know, he was involved in the all-star game with James Neal. We yeah. all remember that. So I think it's it's cool. It's just it shows you how unique this town is. But, um, you know, I, I think it's all come together with that power play unit. And, and they're fun to watch. Like, even if they don't score, you go, man, they had they had opportunity. They had chances. I mean, they're putting up shots. And right. they're, they're genuine chances, too. It's not just shooting on net. They, they are having uh, having chances, so I like it. So we'll be keeping an eye on the power play moving forward. Now, power the, play, baby. The one thing that we don't like through five games so far this season is just the overall team defense. Yep. And it's not just the third pair. 
We talked about the third pair and put a microscope on them earlier in the show, but it's not just them. Overall, as a team, they're a little too loosey-goosey in their mm-hmm. own zone, and it showed Saturday where they couldn't get the puck out, and Alex Iafalo scores with 58 seconds left in regulation. regulation. There have been too many goals like that so far this regular season where they get hemmed in their own zone and they can't get the puck out. I don't know if I'm overly concerned about it. Again, it's five games, just like we're not going to jump to the conclusion that the power play is 100% fixed, even though we like the way it's going. Right. I think there is definitely time for them to figure out the team defense, but that is something that is going to have to improve and improve quickly, especially as they visit Vegas tomorrow night. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that, and it, and it goes – it's the forwards too. I mean, you got to have defense playing forwards. Um, I, I think you missed something with P.K. Subban. Let's give some credit where credit is due. P.K. was a, was a great defenseman for this team and now in New Jersey, so you do lose something there. I think Dante Fabro has, for the most part, you know, played much more than somebody that has – the amount of experience that he does, but he's also shown that he's a rookie. I thought he bounced back much better from the Washington game, you know, in the LA game, but he's still going to make mistakes. He's not going to be perfect. So that's something that you have to watch, especially when you're giving him more minutes and having him play on that second pairing. And then you, you got to see more out of the, the big three that, you know, the rest of them that, uh, that are here. So I think that's going to be a work in progress. I'm not ready to pull the, you know, the alarm and start running around like, you know, we ended up having to do with the power play last season. I think the third pairing is a concern. That's something they're going to have to look at. I, I think they're going to have to to maybe tweak that personnel-wise as they go on. Again, give it to the 10-game mark, as you were talking about, but I, I definitely think that's something that's holding them back. But you're right. It's overall. They're just going to have to get better. I, I don't know if the if – the permanent solution for the third pair is on the roster or in the organization could be if i'm being completely honest we might be talking at mid-season around christmas around the new year around the all-star break that david poyle is going to have to go out and get a a third pair defenseman at the deadline i don't know who that might be i i have already looked at potential free agent defensemen out there sammy votnin of the New Jersey Devils is someone that is in the last year of his contract. The Devils, I would not expect to be in a playoff hunt at the time of the trade deadline. They may be in a in a mode of trying to sell off some pieces. That might be one. You, you try to beef up your third pair with a really good defenseman. That is good security for if Dante Fabro, um, you know, isn't cutting it down the stretch and into the playoffs. But overall, I. I'm just not impressed with this organization's depth. And with this organization's NHL-ready depth, either in Nashville or in Milwaukee. I don't don't think there's a permanent solution in-house. Is there anybody on the street right now that you would consider? Probably not. I mean, there's a reason why they're on the street. I mean, you got this. this Let me give you, according to Cap Friendly, the top five that you have available. Dion Phaneuf. No. Andrew McDonald. Mark Mathot, oh. Adam McQuaid, oh. David Schlemko. Oh, no, none of them. That's what you got available. None of them. So it just you kind of have to kind of have to go with what you have at this point, and unless you make a trade, I'm with you though. I I could see that being, you know, 
there there may not be a sexy move at the deadline for this team because they won't need it. It'll be that third pair defenseman, somebody to make them better there. Last season, we talked all season long about how the team needed size. Yeah. And they went out and got Brian Boyle and Wayne Simmons. If they don't fix this, this third pair, I think we're going to be talking all season long how David Boyle is going to have to go out and attempt to get a, a better option on the third pair to either put with Dan Hammies or Yannick Weber or somebody yeah. moving forward. To your point on that, though, I do want to see what a Tenorti, a Carrier, you know, someone like that, e- even a Santini, uh, I don't know if Davies is quite there yet, but I want to see what some of that could look like mm-hmm. as you get through the go through this evaluation sure. process. Sure, I'm not ready to, to pull the record and make a trade now. Yeah. You know, you got to, you have to, again, let the cake bake and see what your current options can do, what your Milwaukee options can do. And if you've exhausted those options, then I think I think the time yeah. will come for, for going out and trying to find somebody through a trade. But I don't think I don't think you exhaust your options until, you know, midway through the season. Yeah, because even though they do have some deficiencies on defense right now, the offense is covering it up, so that helps. Is there something different with this Predators team compared to last year? We'll get to that next. He's Chase McCabe. I'm Ryan Porth. You are listening to Preds Insiders, ESPN 102.5 The Game, streaming on the Game National app. Welcome back into Preds Insiders. Ryan Porth alongside Chase McCabe here on a Monday evening. Don't forget, Wednesday is Smashville Live. Wednesday, we will be out at Boomba's Craft Pizza and Tap House before Smashville Live at 7 o'clock. J.P. Dumont will be the guest co-host with Braden Gall, so that should be a lot of fun. Boomba's Craft Pizza and Tap House in East Nashville. Come on out, uh, meet J.P. Dumont, enjoy some really good food. I was out there over the summer, and Boomba's has it going on the east side. So go out there, have some fun, take in some Smashville Live Come on early. Preds Insiders will be there. Jared and the GM will be out there as well Wednesday. Can we get Paul McCann to introduce J.P. Dumont? Because, you know, that was his signature for a long time. J.P. Dumont. Exactly. There you go. That'd be good. Yeah. And he was able to do it a little bit with P.K. Subban. But J.P. Dumont, uh, he had fun with that one. That'll be cool. It'll be a fun show to uh, get J.P.'s thoughts on this current team because obviously a great offensive player in his own right back in the day for for the Nashville Predators. 100%. So there was a question that you wanted to get to, Chase, Mm -hmm. in this episode of Preds Insiders. Why is, quote, something different with this team? Do you feel like there's something different early on this season? Absolutely. And I've said it since training camp. You know, when I always call uh, Brent Peterson's dinner like the back-to-school dinner, you know, when he has his his thing at Bridgestone Arena because that's when you see everybody really for the first time. The players are back, and they're mingling, and so you get to talk to everyone. And then you, you go to practice. And um, so I went to a few practices, and we were there with the show. And I would say to Darren and Willie, I'm like, there's just there's – a, there's a vibe. There's a, there's a different vibe that I'm getting off this team in a good way. It, it just something feels different. And it was almost like that, you know, they had hit the reset button, took some time off. The summer was a lot longer than anybody wanted it to be. They got away, you know, Roman Yossi got married. They went on their vacations, but they came back ready to work. And I've seen it through five games. Something that we were discussing earlier, when they get behind, you don't count them out. 
You mm-hmm. say, ah, two goals, whatever. They can come back. They they have that. And you haven't been able to say that for a while. You didn't. There were times last year when they'd get down by two, like, yep, all right. Really, ever since the start of the 2018 playoffs. Yeah. When it just it was really hard to to imagine them coming back. The the President's Trophy regular season in the second half of that year, they won games, they pulled games out of their rear end that they had no business winning, but they just kept coming back and winning games in the third period when they were trailing two nothing or trailing three one. And there was this belief within that team, and I think the entire fan base felt it. We felt it watching that team that they were going to find a way to at least claw back. They may not claw back and win, but they were going to claw back. They they weren't going to go down without a fight. For whatever reason, I didn't feel that belief last year. I may be right. wrong, but just watching the team night in, night out, inside that arena, it just didn't feel like that was there. And it feels like already it's there. And I don't know, like you said, Maybe it was a reset button over the summer. Maybe it's the fact that they don't they didn't go in with league wide expectations of them being the team to beat. Right. Like they did the the previous two years on the on the heels of winning the Western Conference and going to the Stanley Cup final. Where maybe they're not putting as much pressure on themselves internally to win every single night and try to meet that expectation. Maybe they're going in and being a little bit more loose, just playing hockey and not worrying about any sort of outside noise or worrying about winning a Stanley Cup right now because you can't win a cup right now. No. No, and and what was the biggest thing with this team last year that you had the national pundit saying? They look like a team that's ready for the playoffs. Yeah. Which was had disaster written all over it. Well, the other thing too about last year's team is they went to David Poyle and I don't know if we over-dramatize this, but it was obvious this team said to management that they wanted to stay together and get another shot at it together. Right. All of a sudden, they're putting more pressure on themselves by doing that. Yep. I don't know if if the fact that they didn't do that this offseason, David Poyle trades PK, signs Matt Duchesne, and there's just this breath of fresh air, this new feeling going into the season, maybe that's why so quickly into this regular season we are saying, yeah, there's something different about this team. Here's what this team wants to do, too. This is the vibe I get. They want to go out and they want to win October. They want to go win November. They want to go win December. They want to win January, February, March, April, and then they want to go and they want, they want to win in the playoffs. That's what they want to do. They want to stop this whole, well, you know, if you win the President's Trophy and you're good in the regular season, it's going to fall off in the postseason. They want to say, no, we want to win it all. And that is the exact attitude that I've been looking for out of them. I mean, it was a great story when they went to the Stanley Cup final. You know, get in at the very end. They're the the eighth seed in the West and scratch and claw. And here they come. Here are the Preds. You know, Nashville gets this recognition. They for, were the darlings of the sport. Yes, and everybody jumped on board. That was awesome. Two games short, two wins short. And then the next year, there we go. All right, pick to win it all. They win the President's Trophy. Going to the playoffs, still feeling good. You lose in seven to Winnipeg. A good Winnipeg team, by the way. Mm-hmm. Take nothing away from them. And then it's the same thing over again. Of, of You have high expectations and you get knocked out the first round by a scrappy Dallas team. 
So I think all of that combined, plus you have new voices in Lambert and, and Duchesne, and you've you know you have Fabro that's here now. You've mixed some things up. Subban, you know, is gone. That all you throw that all into a bucket, mix it around. That's what's going to get you where you're at right now. And I just love the attitude of this team. I'll tell you another thing that I've seen. I've seen Roman Yossi take a step as captain. And I, I know he's in a contract year and they're trying to figure all that out. I have no doubt that's going to get done. There's something different about him too. There's just that he he is wearing that C proudly, not that he was, wasn't before, but there's just something different with him that he has grown as a leader. Roman Yossi has five points through five games mm-hmm. this season. He has been very active in the offensive zone for uh, for being a star defenseman. Tomorrow night, I am excited this about this fun. game. Game six of the regular season, I am excited. Preds at Golden Knights should be a lot of fun. Pre-game at eight, puck drop at nine. All the action right here at ESPN 1025. The game, Chase McCabe, we can hear you tomorrow from 10 to 2 on Darren Donick and Chase. Can. Thanks, as always, for uh, for stopping by here, Preds Insiders, on ESPN 1025 The Game, and uh, we'll chat again soon. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. For Chase McCabe, I'm Ryan Poor. Thank you for listening to this edition of Preds Insiders on ESPN 1025 The Game.